0: Welcome to Rombook Book Pod. This is your host, Anna Koki, and today I'm welcoming you to a special bonus episode. We have Nalini Singh with us, Queen of PNR. We've invited her to talk PNR, inclusive romance, and writing in 2020. Joining me today to do the special episode is Melinda
1: and Mika.
0: Thank you. Welcome, Nalini.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this.
3: I am so excited you're here. We, all three of us, are, like,
1: ridiculous
3: super
2: fans.
1: Yes, d- super fans. You must know. Yes.
2: That.
0: <laughs> it should be a good interview then.
1: Yeah. Yes, we, we
3: were very excited. So thank you so much.
0: Well, try not to go too much into the weeds of our nerddom. Yes. I'm,
1: I'm making be. no promises. They're making promises. <laughs> I did not sign up for that.
0: (laughs) Well, I was so excited that you agreed to talk to us, especially now that Slave to Sensation is going to be 15 years old next year because Slave to Sensation is one of the books that brought me into romance. I was a fantasy reader and a YA reader and a mystery reader and through, uh, Felicia Day's uh, Vaginal Fantasy Book Club was introduced to Slave to Sensation. And then I was taking out all the books that my library had. I was reading them the giant kiss of snow with the big uh, man chest on the cover. Um, I think I had like a big print version of it because I was just like, I'm going to read it. So <laughs> it's very, very uh, special to me. And I, I know it's one of your you know, our uh, most popular books. Uh, can you tell us about what that means to you and where you're looking at uh, with Slate the sensation in 2021. Uh, um it's actually quite surreal to think that it's
2: going to be 15 years since it you know came out. And for me because I you know I write these books one every year at the moment. So for mm-hmm. me it's been a continuous timeline it doesn't feel that it was so long ago um (laughs) yeah it's it's like whoa (laughs) how did that happen but that book is um you know it's always going to be such a special book for me because uh, some people don't know this but I wrote um six books for uh, a silhouette desire Mm -hmm. uh, before slave to sensation and um you know, uh, I liked those books particularly at the start because um, that was my break into the industry, and those books were the best I was as a writer at that time. Right? They were mm-hmm. my best work at that time. But um, as I went along, you know, I um, I lost the editor who originally bought me for Silhouette, okay. and I started to feel like I was um, honestly I was just never really a good fit and. They kept trying to, you know, um, I would get revision requests to, I kept feeling like I just didn't fit into this Mm -hmm. box, but I kept Mm -hmm. trying because it was my dream to write for um, Harlequin Mm -hmm. and Silhouette because those were the books I grew up reading. You know, when I first found romance, I found Mills and Boone, which I think a lot of romance readers um, probably started with particularly, you know, my generation and younger. Right. But yeah so but then i got to slave to sensation and i was just in i was in a really frustrated headspace because i i just couldn't get these revisions through and i was being rejected on partials and i was like you know what i'm just gonna write this crazy story that's been sitting in my head for a while i don't even care if anyone likes it i'm just gonna write it for me and um if if you've heard me talk before about this book you know i wrote it sort of almost manically you know I wrote the first draft in three weeks um, wow. around I was working in Japan at the time so I was, had a full-time job mm. and then I would literally just come home manically write eat a peanut butter sandwich for, for like, <laughs> well, like peanut butter toast for dinner while I watched the half an hour English language news and then I would just write until mm. I fell into bed basically and it, was, it just felt so good. It felt like this book was me spreading out um, mm-hmm. my wings. Um, and it really shows all of who I am as a writer, I think, because, you know, it's got the paranormal elements because I grew up as a science fiction and fantasy reader as alongside romance. Right. And so with Slave to Sensation, I got to do the world building, but I also had the romance, and it just... It's a book that just felt like me breathing, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. There was, yeah. I didn't feel any constraints. Yeah. And um, and then I was so lucky, you know, I've been, Cindy Huang has been my editor since that first book. Oh, wow. Berkeley. For the
3: full 15 years?
2: <laughs> full 15 years. Oh,
3: wow. I, I did not know that.
0: Yeah. That's a fabulous partnership to have. Yeah, she's amazing. And I'm like, you are never
2: allowed to retire. So (laughs) This is forever. You have to be my editor forever. But um, she also just really got my voice um, Mm -hmm. from that first book. And so I just felt like that book is really my voice, you know, speaking without any sort of restraint um, or trying to be revised in a particular way. And um, yeah, so yeah, that that book just just put my career on a whole different level as well. So it had an impact both from the storytelling perspective of Mm -hmm. what I had created, but also in terms of that was the first time I really thought, oh, wow, um, I might actually be able to go full time as a writer at some point in the future.
3: I can't believe that you wrote it in three weeks while you had a full-time job. That's blowing my mind. <laughs>
0: Especially, I just, I mean, it's so it. vibrant, and you know, like for me, I, there's so many little scenes that stay with me, like uh, Sasha letting uh, the boys oh. move her boot, uh, and then trying to hide it from uh, Lucas on the way out. I just <laughs> little moments that just are so real to what what. Sasha's going through, what Lucas is going through as a pack and what he recognizes in that moment, uh, there's just that book is just full of that I mean I should
2: say that that was the first draft, you know that was yeah. the, first, <laughs> the first draft that obviously needed editing yeah. but um, I do have to admit that book didn't actually need a lot of editing, mm-hmm. um, it was like I just had the story, I'd been thinking about these ideas for such a long time and it just came out in this mm-hmm. sort of I don't even know what to call it, it was just I was literally obsessed, like obsessed. That's all I thought about, um, around my work and you know, the weekends, that's all I did from the time I got up to the time I, you know, fell into bed. Um, and there are, you know, large parts of the book, you know, it went through the full rounds of edits Mm -hmm. and revisions and all that stuff, but it's the core of it is still very much what I wrote in that manic rush. Mm -hmm. and as a writer every so often you get a book like that that just comes out and it's it's whole Mm -hmm. and it has all its pieces and it's just it's just got this heart. um and they're like gifts those books
3: (laughs) so i am the same as Anna that I read it through the library too. And then I like I came to it a little bit later after it was published and I devoured that series and then I caught up to the publishing and then I just bought them like crazy because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with them. And I mean, God bless the multiple, library. Yeah,
0: multiple formats and yes. yes. So oh my keep, gosh. Yeah, the the library got me in the door because they they fed that binge reading need that you have. Yes, and really,
3: Absolutely. And then yeah. it introduced Can me I'm to all something? the rest.
0: Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So um <laughs> so I just wanted to mention um so slave to sensation is really um, and this whole series is really special to me because sometimes, like, if I'm in a huge book slump, it is the series that I go back to to reread, and and I have like all of the books are super great, and but I go through my like favorite book binge, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the the ones that I'm like, okay, um, but I, I got into. Uh, paranormal romance because I had a really close friend um, named Maite and she was like really huge into romance and um the the National Library Service for the Blind didn't have the books available but Bookshare um the Bookshare which is a legal book um service in the in the U.S. had it um and it says a legal. I, did, I hope it didn't say illegal. Um, <laughs> a legal book service. Anyway, it. Um, and so whenever, shortly after your, um that that site was run by volunteers that could, um because of a copyright law like for the blind we could scan books up onto the website and when and we dubbed it as like whenever whenever one of your books would come out on side changeling we would call it nalini day <laughs> and it would be like who's gonna get the book okay who's gonna scan it in and then you had to proofread it because scanning scanning is not a you know a a uh, free you know not a uh, error-free process and and but it didn't matter because as soon as it was up, it was like, oh my god, thank you so much for scanning this and for proofreading this. And oh my gosh, you know, so we would dub it as Melini Day. <laughs> and now we're just so thankful that Bookshare has a publishing partnership with your publisher. So now the book is just available, there's no more having to scan it in. And then, you know, the eyes, all the eyes are L's and all the O's are <laughs> zeros. Um, but your book has such a special place in in my heart, and my um, they introduced me to romance, and it really got me into she really got me into paranormal romance um, through your book, and I thought this is like the most unique and exquisite thing I've ever read in my entire life.
2: Oh, <laughs> that is such a great story, and I also love that all of you found me in the libraries. In, um, you know, Bookshare is also basically a library, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. And um, because I, I used to work in the libraries, that was um, after I came back from Japan. And actually, before I left for Japan, I worked in the library system as a library assistant. So I love libraries. And I found so many of my favorite authors also through the library. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like this really nice karmic circle. <laughs>
3: From Book Pod loves libraries. I think that all of my favorite authors love libraries. It always makes yes. me feel like, yes, another one. <laughs> <laughs> so in side Changeling, which, okay, I love. So the mo- one of the interesting things that you did with that series is later on in the series, there was, you've said before that with the, you don't have the overarching plot, like plotted out. Ahead of time, which is amazing to me because your world building is ridiculously just excellent. I can't even get over how great it is. And so when I hear that, I'm astonished. But so, like in book one, like in Slave, slave to Sensation, like did you know who Hawk was going to end up with at that point? Or is that just something that you kind of developed as the books go on? Okay.
2: So, um, Okay, so what I do have when I start a series, um, I have the ending. So I know where the, like um, the, the, there's a question asked in the first book, which is basically silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know what the answer to the question is. That's how I work uh, as a series writer. So even though I don't plot out the whole series arc or anything, I literally have to know the answer to any question that I ask the, the mm-hmm. main series question. And I learned that from watching, um, you know, television, because there were some really, really good series that just had really cool concepts, and and then it got to the end, and it was obvious <laughs> they hadn't thought about the answer. <laughs> it just all kind of went to pieces, and so um, I thought, okay, what I set up, I need to know where it's going in that sense. Like I need to know the end point. And um, so that's my level of planning and it's all in my head. I, li- I don't plot it out on paper or anything okay. um, in terms of, and I find it just knowing that end, that's my one piece of advice I do give to, you know, when I do workshops and stuff, I give to writers who want to write an interlinked series where there is some kind of overarching plotline. I always say, what is your answer to the question you asked? or the, the thing you've set up in your world. You need to know how you're going to fix a problem if you've set up a problem. So I find it's just knowing that is enough for me. Um, my brain seems to do the rest um, in terms of putting the pieces together. But <laughs> the hawk question, that was interesting <laughs> because think about it, no sensible, rational writer would set that up. Because, oh my God, <laughs> so much drama. There's so much drama. There's this age difference, and I was like, but literally, I as soon as they hit the scene together, I was like, oh, so I guess this is happening. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, I love that so
2: much. Yeah, they were just um. Sometimes the characters, there's just it just happens. The chemistry just boom, and then as a writer, I have to go with it. I couldn't not, obviously, you know, I'm the writer. I could have deleted that scene, but I couldn't delete that scene. There was an awesome scene with the two of them together. And, um, and I just knew from that moment, I knew in that book where that these two were going to, you know, end up together. Um, but of course <laughs> I knew it was going to be a really long time. <laughs>
3: And then my other question about, like, the overarching plot with um, Psy changeling did you always plan for the season two, like the, the second stage of that series?
2: No. So um, okay. when I started, I, I planned, I thought, okay, we'll get to the end. I, I try not to spoil it for people who, you know, maybe haven't read the series, mm-hmm. but I thought we'd get to the end point of season one, and, and I thought, well, that would be the end. That would be finished. And then as I'm reaching that end point, I'm like, Oh. There's a whole big mess now. So <laughs> <laughs> we we answered the first question, but now there's this what happens now because you can't mm-hmm. leave, you know, the characters and the world in this state. And so it was a very natural progression into season two. And then, again, I had to sit down and think, okay, again, where am I going with this? Because as a reader, I do get frustrated when there's no answer or mm-hmm. – uh, there's no climax point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like in, in the first season of the Side Changing series, you did get this climax point. There were some major, major changes, mm-hmm. you know, in the fabric of the world. Like it's completely different from Slave to Sensation where we started. And so, again, I sat down. I had to think about it. And I know now where we're going you Know for season two, so before Silver Silence came out, I knew where the end of this season
0: is going to take us. Cool, because we want we really want to go there, yes. <laughs>
3: okay, so, I think Mika has a good question about I girl do. games.
1: I do. So, first off, I love all of your female protagonists I, I love them all <laughs> I want them all to be my BFFs um, so my question is that if if there was a heist that needed to be planned out you know some villain had was hiding something somewhere and you needed a team of of superheroines to get them out from your series who would be a part of your elite superhero heist squad?
2: <laughs> oh, that is so hard. There are um, <laughs> so many good characters. I mean, you've got to have um, a teleporter in there, right? So um, who would be a good one? It, it would have to be one of the arrow teleporters. Um and I think Brenna would have to be in there because she's got the, the computronic. She can mm-hmm. hack things, you know, she can probably <laughs> take down security crack and crack the safe. Yes. <laughs> That's right, crack the safe. <laughs> um, and you've got to have a muscle. So people who just take down um, everyone, basically. So we've got the arrow, we've probably, oh, Selenka. Um, oh, that's indeed. a good one. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I think those two were just you know kick butt, and um oh gosh, I'm gonna be like after I finish this podcast, I'll <laughs> be
0: sitting there
2: going, oh I should have seen this person, and, uh,
0: because I I would have loved. You you, you can send us the the annotated list and we'll put it in show <laughs> notes. and each of
2: them will have like a, a like a job to do because that's that's how I roll with my uh, heist.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. I just, I love what I love. Oh, I mean, silver. Imagine silver. She would just plan everything out, like, yes. the last detail, uh, and nothing could possibly go wrong because um, she would have had it sorted. And I tell you what, sort of the, the godmother of it all, and I mean this in the mm-hmm. godfather sense, as, um, would be Ina, you know, mm-hmm. her grandmother, who would just <laughs> know everything. And she set men- it in
0: motion. She
2: said That's right. Motion. She's
0: the one who asked for whatever MacGuffin. <laughs> <they're searching. laughs>
2: That's right. It would just be, um, it would be amazing. And then you need to have someone in there who's just like a wild card, right? So someone who can just come up with things on the fly. And I think uh, Memory would just be fantastic for that because she's so adaptable. She's a survivor and she would just be like, right, this is what we do if things don't go according to plan. And yeah, so we'll stop there because I will literally just keep adding, <laughs> adding more characters because there's so many awesome women in this series. I mean, I was I gonna love,
3: say I feel like you could just have all of them. Like
2: yes, that's that's actually what I want to say. Yeah, I just feel
3: like all of them together would make the best. Well,
2: that and, uh, really my leads. Favorite, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say one of my favorite scenes in um the more recent books is um the scene in memories book where there's a whole bunch of women together and they're just, they're just hanging out, being women talking. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's just, it just has such a good energy. And, um, yeah, I really love those kind of, um, scenes and, um, just seeing women interacting as friends, um, as family. Well,
0: and I I think of that scene, isn't that where like, um, Aisha is, uh, yeah, it's doing the braiding her hair or, or untangling her hair. And yes, me that, that, yeah. me yeah, yeah. that, yeah, and that to me is such a beautiful moment for memory who's been so isolated, who no longer has, you know, her mom was taken from her and she gets to have this moment where somebody's taking care of her. Um, and I thought that was, yeah, a microcosm of the way you're, 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 Women take care of women in your book, uh, whether it's Tamsin befriending Sasha in the beginning or, uh, you know, all uh, the people who take Sienna under her wing um, and just, you know, it just are there when mothers are gone or family is missing. Yeah, I think it's really important to I've, I
2: really like um, families in books mm-hmm. and not necessarily the families we're born into but mm-hmm. the families we also create, um, all different kinds of families. And, yeah, I love – I think it's really important to me as a writer and as a reader. Um, and so, yeah, I love that that's one of my favourite parts of writing series because we do get to see these, you know, this intricate family bonds. So you have groups of friends who interact mm-hmm. and then there's overlap and one person might go from group to group and then there might be other groups that are more sort of – that's the tight unit and then but they also know other people and um, yeah i love all
0: that. well you right now you have Kip traveling the world so that's a, one of those through lines right character that's yes. been through many yes. many stories and many events. So you're well known for writing complicated challenging heroines um and like some of our favorites who will we'll fight to the death for it like Sienna and Saida um yes. and, yeah <laughs> we will fight for her. Um, What does writing these uh, uh, women mean to you? I've always been very aware
2: of writing different kinds of strength. Mm -hmm. So I really want my heroines to all be unique individuals. And for us to, like the society that they live in, to acknowledge that only one kind of strength not only one kind of strength is valid, you know? Mm-hmm. So it begins with slave to sensation, because when we meet Sasha, she is not apparently at all powerful. She is very sort of-
0: She's a failed sti-
2: psi. <laughs> Yes, she's a failed sigh. She is literally basically being told she's a failure her whole life. She's not kick butt, like we think of mm-hmm. heroines as like kicking butt. Um, and yet when we get into the story, we realize she has this incredible power that comes basically from the power of her heart and her ability to feel emotion and empathy. And, and so that I think has, is basically a really good um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's a really good indicator mm-hmm. of how the series is, is in terms of female characters. So we do get the really kick-ass females who are physically strong um, and can do battle, um, but they also respect um, the ones who are strong like Sasha, who, mm-hmm. who, you know, are strong in a totally different way. And then we have, again, we have um, we have Memory coming in. We have Brenna. Um, we've got Tally. We've just got so many different types of female power mm-hmm. and female agency. and. I'm always just really aware of making my characters both um, you know all the characters but just in terms of the female characters just making sure that each of them is a fully rounded person Mm -hmm. so there's no sort of caricatures or two-dimensional natures and I think actually the best example of this is probably Nikita Mm -hmm. um, because she is probably one of the most complicated characters in the entire series
1: (laughs) yes
0: i whenever i reread i go back and you see the (laughs) things that she says and then you think about them in the context of where the story goes and you're like ha you know um yeah she's fantastic
2: yeah she's as a writer you know she's such an amazing character to write because There's just all these layers, just endless layers to Nikita. Every time I think, ah, got you, she's like, ha, ha, ha.
3: (laughs) And then your other paranormal, which is my personal favorite, Guild Hunters, which, like I said, Sleeve Dissensation was my first Nalini scene book, but Guild Hunter is just... It's a grittier, like a, a little bit darker world, I think. with I just adore it so much. And I don't know what it is about it with Elena. I think Elena is just a really interesting character. Um, and I just really think that Elena and Raphael are just, from the beginning, you know, they have such a cat and mouse relationship at the beginning. And then they develop and they are, you never break them up. And I love that so much. You don't ever have the um, thing that romance readers hate, (laughs) which would be to break them up and do the classic. um, Are they going to, you know, not be together and then get back together, which we don't love. (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) But The interesting structure that you do that I haven't really seen with many other um, long running or any that I can think of, you do almost an interstitial um, with other characters getting their featured romance. And I personally just love it so much. I love getting like, um, we get to see Dimitri get his own book. We get to see Ashwini get her book. Um, What gave you that inspiration? What? Like what inspired you to do that kind of structure with that series?
2: So the Guild Hunter series is interesting because um at the time I wrote Angel's Blood, I was writing two Side Changeling books a year. And I thought, you know, I'd like to write sort of one off books as well in between. Mm-hmm. Because I'm already writing this quite complicated series. <laughs> Let's add another one. (laughs) Yeah, like I I shouldn't add another one. I should just write this one-off book. So I wrote Angel's Blood and I handed it in and my editor said, oh, and my agent said, oh, you know, they're going to be like, where's the second book? And I'm like, no, they're not. And then my editor said, where's the second book? (laughs)
0: <laughs> so,
2: I think, I mean, I had accepted, I knew, I knew that this was more than a single book. You know, I couldn't, how could I possibly leave these characters behind? And um so, that series has been an experiment from day one. If you have one of the original first editions of Angel's Blood, it actually says urban fantasy romance on the mm-hmm. spine. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's a little bit different from the structure of a normal, you know, paranormal romance. There's just a little lo- more of an urban fantasy element to it in terms of the the adventure, I guess, mm-hmm. or the quest that right. goes in there and um, the grittiness, the darkness. Um, and yet it's 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 too romancey, romance heavy to be straight urban fantasy so they said oh we'll put urban fantasy romance see how it does (laughs) like nobody knew how it would do because if you really sit down and think about it it's a really strange book (laughs) Uh, it's got vampires it's got angels it's it's just but you know I was I was like okay I'm into this so I'm just gonna write it Um, and then I was really lucky and people loved it which was awesome but um, so originally, even after I thought, okay, this is a series, I thought, well, what I really want to explore and how it all began was um, I wanted to explore the relationship between a mortal falling in love with an immortal mm-hmm. and vice versa. And how that, um, how that works longer term, because I, obviously, a huge paranormal reader, um, particularly then... And I had read quite a lot of books where immortals and mortals fell in love. And I was always slightly dissatisfied because I felt like the mortals, the immortals acted too human. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> not
0: here. I just thought, yeah,
2: like, <laughs> no. I'm like they're not going to be normal because they've been alive for like, you know, a thousand years or 10,000 years. And they're just going to be inhuman Mm -hmm. And how does that work when you fall in love with a mortal? And so it was about exploring the journey of the relationship. And I love that you mentioned how they don't break up because that's not the point. The point is how do they make it work Mm -hmm. together? Mm -hmm. Because that to me was always the critical question of the series and um, how they come to a, Because when they begin, you know, there's a real inequality Mm -hmm. in their power. So you have an archangel, and then you've got a mortal. And so they're just just on completely different ends of the spectrum in terms of power. And it's like, how do they get to an equilibrium where they're actually in a relationship, where there's back and forth, and it's a partnership? And
3: And you you upend that power differential really in interesting ways throughout the series which I love.
2: Yeah it's um, it's it's just fascinating you know working with these two and, and I'm often surprised as well because again with my characters I let them grow as mm-hmm. they want to grow but um, to answer the question you asked about the sort of intervening stories you know in between stories mm-hmm. um, that really came naturally as I'm writing because it even when I realized, okay, this is a series, I thought, well, my point is to explore Elena and Raphael. So I was thinking, I don't know, three, four books, something like that. And then as I wrote each of their books, so the first first non-Elena and Raphael book was uh, book four, Archangel's Blade. And mm-hmm. so as I wrote the first three, I kept falling in love with all of the Saturn <laughs> and all these other people. And I was like, oh, you're doing that thing again. We you create a series. And I said to my editor, and he, I mean, she'd already taken a risk with having multiple books with the same protagonist in a romance mm-hmm. series, which is really unusual. And then I said, can I do... a book about someone else in between and she's like see how it works (laughs) so so I did and it's just been very organic in the series um as to who I feel like it just feels like it's their turn in the in the spotlight and it links back to what's happening in the overarching plot as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. so um that one with the Guild Hunter series, it has really been a journey of discovery because the structure of the story and of the series is just something, it's just something different. Um, there's been a, we've taken a lot of chances along the way. And again, I have to say, I feel very lucky to have Cindy as my editor because she has always given me that chance to sort of jump off the cliff (laughs) and see see if the parachute opens or not um
3: I think what it accomplishes for the reader or at least for me it it lets us breathe a little bit from the romance between Alina and Raphael when they're you know the lead in their story which I love them as the lead but I also it's intense it is their
0: story is intense
3: and I just love how it's still, you know, we still get to see the overarching plot develop when other people are the focus. And I just really think it's an interesting structure. And I really think it works well in the story. And I love seeing who's going to get the next story every single time. I'm like, oh, yes, that's exactly <laughs> who I wanted. Or, oh, that's a surprise. It's always fun. And I love that about it.
0: And for me, that's like, it. I, the short stories, are what won me over to the series. I was a side changeling and reader. I wasn't like, no, the, I, I think I read a <laughs> couple of guilt hunter books a couple of times. And I was like, mm. This is so violent. I don't know if I can take it. And uh, then I read a couple of the short stories, the ones with um, the librarian, the historian of in, in Haven. And then you also, uh, Ashwini's story, I think, is the one that was like, okay, I got to read more on this world. <laughs> and I've, I, I've grown to love um, Raphael. i always loved Elena.
3: Took me well, because Elena's me amazing. It. Thank you very she much. <laughs>
1: I I'm frightened for every character in the Guild Hunter series. Like I, I I go in reading and sometimes I just stop and I'm like. Okay. Nalini still writes happily ever afters, right? <laughs> right.
3: You always have to check on that one because I'm like. Channel,
1: she, I get scared. <laughs>
3: she's a romance writer. She's not gonna let us down. I always remind yes. myself. <laughs> And then while we're on the topic of Guild Hunter, I would be remiss. And I know you're not gonna, you know, tell us this, but I have to ask about Bluebell and Sparkles because I love them more than anything. And every book I'm like holding my breath. And I have to ask, like, are they ever gonna get their story? And is it going to be anytime soon? And is it going <laughs> to be together?
2: Um so, it's- that's probably the question I get asked the most. Like literally right now, if you check my inbox, there's probably a hundred emails on the same topic. And I, I think someone tweeted me <laughs> earlier this week.
3: It wasn't um, me, I swear.
2: <laughs> it's like regular, and then it uh, in my um, DMs and Instagram. <laughs> I just this is. It's constant. Like literally every day, somebody asks me this question.
3: Okay, I've so- never asked it before, but I couldn't not ask you <laughs> while you were literally talking to me. I had to ask it.
0: I'm um, sorry. You know, I'm not gonna answer it. I know. Um, I know. We, we knew. We knew. We but we we put it on the list, and we're like, well, we should ask. <laughs> no, uh, what I will say is, you know, I I what I said
2: earlier about I let characters grow as they want so sometimes what i think maybe at the start is not like i um this is in the side change series i was convinced that these two particular characters were going to end up together and i got to this point and i was like i'm a fool they just have no chemistry at all so um that character growth with these two has been really interesting and i'm just kind of going along for the ride so I'll let you know when they tell me um, what's <laughs> okay. happening. Okay. So um, I will say that there's um, – both of them sort of make guest appearances in Archangel Sun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make of that what you will, like what happens in there. Um, but, yeah, right now I, I've always said, you know, I won't end the series without um, a resolution of some kind for all of the you know the, the main characters so have faith that's all, all right say.
0: all right we won't okay. follow you into your dms people lay off yeah <laughs> <laughs> i yeah, don't,
3: don't recommend do, ever don't
0: do
1: doing that, that. <laughs> we're not we're not that kind of fan <laughs> we, just, we just are like then <laughs> you know, we ask the tough questions but we're never gonna be like
0: right now. Oh, I don't I'll mind. I don't mind the questions. But I'm like, well, I can't answer it. So. Oh, no. And we want you to answer it because we want to read it. Uh, <laughs> when it comes along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so one of the reasons I was so attracted to your books is because you always feature these racially diverse castes um, and MCs that have uh, just sort of run the gamut of ethnicities. And I was so blown away by the cover of Archangel's Sun and just how beautiful it was to have this black man or black angel with his beautiful wings uh, laid out against the sun. Um, did you do anything special to prepare to write Titus's story? Um, and if anything changed or the way you write race through your career? Um, so it's interesting
2: when I first wrote um, Slave to Sensation, I actually didn't realize I had done anything different until I started getting uh, letters from um, readers saying, oh, wow, it's so nice to see um, like a a brown, you know, character Mm -hmm. um, as one of the central characters. And then I was like, oh, this little light bulb went off. And obviously I was a huge reader and I realized I'd never in a paranormal romance that I'd read to that point um, read anyone that wasn't, White, Um, but when I sat down to write, because of who I am as a person, Mm -hmm. how I've grown up. So I was born in Fiji, which is, um, you know, multicultural. There are three main languages in Mm -hmm. Fiji, which most people don't know, and um, everyone speaks at least two, right? Unless you're like might be super elderly or or in a village, you might only have one, Mm -hmm. but. Basically, from my parents' generation forward, everyone speaks two languages. It's just normal because um, you speak like your mother tongue, which Mm -hmm. might be Hindi or Fijian. Um, And then English is the binder language. So it's the in-between language. And um, a lot of... uh, So my dad actually speaks quite a bit of Fijian. um, And... A lot of Fijians actually speak quite a bit of Hindi. Um, And I probably would have picked up more Fijian if I had stayed longer in Fiji. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then I moved to New Zealand, particularly to Auckland, which is very multicultural. It is considered the center of the Pacific. um, And so there's a lot of different kinds of people moving through the city, Um, my neighbors, um, you know, everyone. It's just super diverse. And then I, went to work in Japan, um, and Japan is probably the most um, ethnically like homogenous place I ever lived.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, I was surrounded by all the people who were in the same program as me, and they came from all over the world. So again, I ended up in this really big melting pot. And so when I sat down to write, and particularly at that time and place when I wrote Slave to Sensation, it was just very natural to write a diverse cast because that was my world, um, and it just just came out Mm -hmm. that way. And um, obviously, I became more aware of it um, as I went along. But the one thing I've always kept in mind, whatever character I write, um, race, ethnicity, gender – anything I write people
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I don't write for example I don't write the Indian girl or the black character or the you know mm-hmm. the Chinese character I write a person and each person is unique um, with their likes and their dislikes and because um, I've had early on in my career when I used to read reviews, which I highly do not recommend (laughs) to any baby authors. Don't do it. I know you will because you can't help yourself, but please don't do it.
0: Listen to (laughs) (laughs) Millenni.
2: I used to get criticized by people saying, oh, this is not how this particular ethnicity would act. Mm. And at the time, I didn't have the words to, well, I wouldn't reply anyway, but mentally I was like, well, I felt bad. And then I realized... Of course this character doesn't act like this particular ethnicity because no one in an ethnicity would acts all the same. you mm-hmm. know We're all so different. Um, I just have to look at my own family um, to see like the various levels of Indianness mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> how westernized people are and how um, everyone interacts. And so that's always been my guiding principle, whichever character I write. Um, and this applies to race as well as to anything else, which is I am writing a person mm-hmm. and each person has their own um, integrity as a person and all the elements that make them up, they have subtleties. And um, so one, uh, one brown character is not going to be the same as another one. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, no one is interchangeable. In terms of how it's changed over the years, I like to think that I've developed as a writer and as a person, so I have more depth of understanding about how to write uh, characters uh, and how to do the research. And, you know, I listen a lot. Mm -hmm. I listen when people speak. Um, Quite often I don't jump into conversations because I'm more interested in what are people saying? Like mm-hmm. I want to understand what people are saying, and so I hope all of that has fed into my writing.
0: Oh, well, great! Thank you so much for sort of going into that because I know that can be sort of a challenging topic to to sort of talk about because it talks about you know you shared with everything from your how you came up through life, right? What you saw and what it influenced. So thank you.
2: Oh, no worries. I think it's an interesting subject, but again, like you said, it can be a difficult subject to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I think particularly in this current climate, we have to talk Mm -hmm. about it. It's, you know, everything's coming out in the open and it's great. We should be having these discussions and talking about how to, you know, write diverse casts and just writing really vibrant worlds.
3: And I just want to say that it's so it's really, it's so important. I mean, I, so I buddy read, um, I buddy read almost all of your books with somebody else, but my friend, I know. Yes. (laughs) Hi, Melanie. My friend, Melanie and I, um, we read, uh, Rebel Hard and together. And she was just so blown away by it. She was like, because she's Bengali and she was just like, her review was basically just, like oh my gosh she couldn't believe that you know the characters shared her same last name and she just felt so seen and you know just sharing that experience with her while she was reading it she was like extremely blown away she was like this has never happened like in the whole history of the universe that she (laughs) felt so incredibly seen by just one book because it was just she just felt incredible to be able to you know be seen like that while she was reading. And it was a really important experience for me to share that with her. And I mean, now we read all of your books together, but um, so it was just, I just, it's really important. And um, just thank you for that.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, no problem. I'm, you know, I'm uh, hearing something like that, you know, feels good to me too. Cause I, I still remember the first time I saw an Indian character in a book and I was Mm -hmm. just like, I still remember where I read that and you know which book and everything so um, I think these things do matter Um, we might not realize it at the time when I read it it was I was so young Um, but they do matter in the long term. Yeah absolutely
0: especially when there's so many books that are set in so many Vibrant places that are all white. So it just sticks out to you when you're somebody of color or somebody who like, I think on your mental health rep, um, you definitely have uh, shown us all sorts of different ways that people overcome trauma. And I think as, as people who have experienced different kinds of trauma, we then we we see it. Um, that it's not one size fits all. Everybody has different ways of responding to pain and to brokenness and all that kind of stuff. So yes, thank you.
2: No worries. I think I will say one thing. I do think in terms of that, I do think I've definitely grown um, as a writer and as a person in my understanding Mm -hmm. of that. Um, And that I think is inevitable uh, because like you said, Slave to Sensation uh, will be 15 next year. So there's a lot of time. So a lot of growth in that period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that does come through in the books as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, you know, most recently with Alpha Knight, you, with Ethan's story, you really focused on consent and creating boundaries and all that kind of stuff, which is a very different place than where Lucas and Sasha were in Slave to Sensation. So, uh, yes, thank you.
3: Then I think Mika has a question about uh, recommendations.
0: Oh, no. Isn't it the writing in 2020? But first. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm totally that's wrong. That's okay. <laughs> Melinda's like, give me the books right now.
1: So sorry. That's me. No, that's coming. It's coming. It is coming. So, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so I think that we can all kind of agree that 2020 is sort of a dumpster fire, and if <laughs> And if 2020 were a paranormal entity, it would be the overarching villain that we're all (laughs) struggling to uh, get through. Um, But my question for you is, you know, what is it like for you to, um, you know, I know that a lot of readers right now, and I'm probably one of them, I can't really read a lot of contemporary right now, um, just because I feel like if I read a contemporary, I'd be like, okay, well, first off, you're not six feet apart, and, <laughs> and, um, and secondly, I don't know that you can be trusted because of your profession, and so, so you know, that's how I kind of read contemporaries right now, and hopefully there will come a day, um, but my question is, what is it like for you as an author to, you know, be, to be writing in this 2020 dystopian hellscape that we're <laughs> living in right now? <laughs> Uh, to be writing paranormal, especially.
2: It's, um, I think, uh, so particularly with the first, you know, back at, um, March and April, so in New Zealand, I think, uh, it really hit about the start of April. I can't remember the exact mm-hmm. dates, but we went into level four lockdown, which was basically, you know, total lockdown, like, um, we um, we were allowed to go out for a walk or something to get exercise and then like to the supermarket um, to get food um, and that was about it and I mean like that you could make a, a doctor's appointment kind of thing like really essential stuff but otherwise we were just in absolute you know lockdown and it was that was probably the strangest time because it was just a shock to the system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was really distracted at that time, just in general as a writer, just really difficult to concentrate. And I think a lot of people probably had that problem um, because I was just constantly checking the news, mm-hmm. like what's happening, like what's yeah. what's happening today or what's happening this minute. Like I was just completely, you know, refreshing the news feed and. It took a while, I think two or three weeks before I finally sort of settled. And one of the first things I figured out was that I need to stop the news cycle thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: once I sort of got off that, and um, even Twitter, I had to get off Twitter for like long periods of the day because just there was just so much, it was the, it was the same. You know, everyone was basically talking about, um, you know, the pandemic. 24 seven. And, um, and I had to go back to the reason I write in the first place, which is I love writing mm-hmm. and books and stories have always been the place I retreat to, to find calm, to find joy. And, um, and so once I got past that sort of shock phase, I dove back into my worlds again and it's been actually really good because um, in these worlds, you know, there are certain rules and you know, things um, happen in a certain way and there's structures. And so I think in that way, it's been really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, writing in a paranormal world. And I do think it's easier for me than it is for contemporary writers see, I do write some contemporary books, but Mm -hmm. I'm not writing one right now. And um, because I've had, you know, a lot of discussions with my friends who are contemporary romance writers, and they're all struggling because they're like, at what point do we have to make this a part of the world that we're Mm -hmm. writing? Mm -hmm. When does anybody actually want to read it? Like, we escape into books. So do we want this realism in there when we're all living? the real the real world um so um for me writing paranormal i think has just been it's it is it is a good place to be as a writer um being able to go into those worlds and the you know the creativity of the world building um and not having to think about you know the present world and how to integrate that into my world mm-hmm
1: Yeah, for sure. And do you, do you find, do you think that maybe like the, in general, there are some subjects that would, that are easier to tackle in paranormal than, than they would be if you were to include them like in a contemporary novel?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, um, growing up as a science fiction and sort of fantasy reader, um, I saw that over and over again. I saw, um, things in those books that I never saw in contemporary fiction because it's easier to address something with I think a layer of distance and that distance is provided by the fantastical world or the dystopian world or the paranormal world and then we're more willing to look at difficult questions and um, face them so yeah
1: yeah, for sure. I know I know that there are some things I've read in, in uh, Paranormals that I've been like, oh, wow, they tackled that so beautifully. <laughs> I see the message you're leaving here.
0: And, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and my other question for you, first off, um, I just want to address our listeners. If you, if you have, you know, right now, social media can also seem like a hellscape. If you do nothing else, snooze all of your friends and family and go on Facebook just for Nalini Singh's Friday book club. Like it is, (laughs) it is so delightful, you know, clear out your timelines, snooze everybody. And, and I get them on Thursday afternoons because I often forget that you live in New Zealand and I'm like, "Oh, Oh yeah, it's Friday book club time. It is like the greatest thing um, you ask all these great questions about like, what are you reading? And everybody, I just love everybody in these comments, they are reading so many different things on any given day. It's like someone's reading contemporary or historical, or, you know, maybe a, a cozy mystery or a paranormal thing. And there's so much love for your books in those comments too. Like I'm on my 18th read of, blaze of memory, you know, <laughs> um, and I love, I love your Friday book club, it, and I, I love it so much.
2: Oh, thank you for that, I, I actually really love it too, I have got so many recommendations off the comments, um, so I started that because um, I'm like a really bad book club person, so I would, you know, I the idea of everyone reading the same book and then discussing it, I just found it really difficult. So I thought, why don't we too. do a book club where it's like, we can just all talk about all the different books we read. And um, and what I love is that it's grown over the years into this community. And then I like them, people chat among themselves, recommending books to each other. And um, yeah, and sometimes the comment thread's so long, you know, I can't read every single one, but I do my best because they are just some really, really good Books that I have found just from just reading the comments and seeing how people keep recommending this book, or oh, this sounds really interesting, so I'll pick it up. And um, oh, thanks for that. I'm glad you love
1: it. <laughs> You're welcome. So you all need all everybody on Facebook. You just need to join Facebook just for the Friday Book Club and snooze everybody else. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I love is that you give book recommendations yourself and. Um, and I just I just love that about you, and I just get excited, even if it's, like, something really scary that I, maybe I might not necessarily read. I'm just like, oh, I'm super enthusiastic. Let me give this to my, let me tell my friend about this who loves horror, because
2: I'm too scared.
1: Um, <laughs> so I was wondering, do you have some inclusive book recs for us?
2: Yes, absolutely. I actually wrote it down, because I was like, I'm gonna forget, like, something if I don't write it down. So I'm going to look at my list. Um, So what I'm going to do is give you some recs. Um, If you follow me on social media, you've probably already heard me talking about most of these books, Um, because I'm going to give you some recs for stuff that's either new or new to me. So more recent things than um, like, you know, really classic kind of stuff. So one of my discoveries this year was um, P. Jelly Clark. Who writes um uh, fantasy? Uh, I would say fantasy. I guess it's um the first book I read was of his was a dead gin in Cairo, and mm. um it's set in this um 1920s I think Cairo, and um somebody basically opened a doorway and all these magical type creatures came in and. And it's based around this investigation into a dead djinn. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's a novella. And I've read all three of his novellas because they're just so fantastic. The world building is amazing because a novella, you know, you've got a very short period of time to build a really immersive world. And I am just sold. Like I was on his website looking for when the next Thing was coming out and he's got a full-length book scheduled in 2021 and so I will be you know like my pre-orders going in with my favorite book shop. <laughs> yeah. just like get me this book as soon as it comes and hey if anybody knows anyone in tour and wants to send me the book you know <laughs> welcome you're welcome to do so uh, but um no he's just he's just a really really good writer and I I hope that um Lots of people pick him up. Um, so two of his novellas that I read is um, set in that Cairo um, sort of world that he's built. And then the the third one is called um, The Black God's Drums. And it's um, set in New Orleans. Um, and again, with those, you know, those sort of fantastical elements to it. Um, just a really fantastic writer. And that was someone I sort of discovered this year. Um and another writer that I love is Sonali Dev. Uh, Ugh,
0: yeah, I so love I'm sure her. you love.
2: Yeah, you guys know Sonali. So um, I think she's just such an excellent writer. She has so much emotional depth to her stories. Honestly, sometimes I need to be like, take a break, because I'm like, this is too emotional, Sonali. I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I come back, because I must know what happens. But um, her latest, uh, Recipe for Persuasion, so she's doing these sort of retellings of Jane Austen mm-hmm. and Persuasion has always been my favourite Austen. You know, I think Persuasion has the most romance novel arc. Like it it mm-hmm. has the, you know, the breakup, it has the getting together, it has the black moment and it's got the happy ever after. And so I was really excited to see what she would do with this um, retelling and she just did a wonderful job. And um, while I love the heroine, the one the hero makes this book for me because he is just he's he's trying to be all angry and like sort of you know like the whole persuasion thing where he's come back and she rejected him before but honestly he's a big teddy bear he's <laughs> he's into her and I'm just like oh you're so adorable um so yeah this book I I loved and um another one I, I was an author that I read for the first time was Sharina Harris. Um, I read her Imperfectly Happy, which is more um, women's fiction than romance, but it's got like multiple romance storylines in there. So I think if you're a romance reader going into this book, you would still be happy. I'm reading.
3: It? I'm reading that right now. It's really oh, good.
2: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's really good. I saw her on, um, one of, I think Alyssa Cole's first date night and I thought she was great and it made me pick up the book. So I just started reading it like two nights ago.
2: With me, it was, um, I saw the cover come across, I don't know, Twitter or Instagram or something. And it's like this ice cream cone, you know,
0: upside down,
2: splat. And I was like, oh, that, that looks kind of cool. So I just looked up the like blurb and it spoke to me. So, um, yeah, it is really, it's really good. I like how she sketches all four characters really well. So they're all different people. Um, there's no sort of blending of characters. And I just think that's so well done. Um, I've got two more. Should I keep mm-hmm. going? Yes, please. Sure. please. We, there's we're about. No thing is too many. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another one I recently, very recently read was, um, and this is a mystery, is Kelly Garrett. Um, Hollywood homicide. Mm. And I just I again um, I think this, this came up in a list of like mysteries and I was looking for a mystery and the cover just caught my eye and then I read the blurb and um so basically it's I don't know if you would it's classified as cozy mystery. I, I wouldn't call it cozy but it's more like she's not a detective or anything. She um she's basically an ex child actress okay Um, child star and then um she's been on like a um was she a child actress i'm just trying to think she's been on a like a ad Mm She's really well known and um anyway she's she's sort of out of that now and she decides to go for this um reward for finding um a clue to a crime that helps get it solved and so she's running around hollywood um trying to solve this crime, and it's just really, the atmosphere is just well done, and I read um, the author's bio, and she was actually part of, you know, the the industry in Hollywood, so it feels very real, Mm -hmm. like, all the elements that she's got in there, Um, so, and just the cast is really fun, because she has her friends, and, you know, there's the other people that came into the story, and I was just like, okay, I must get book two. And <laughs> this is my life because I love series of any kind. And um, my final one is, okay, so for some reason, <laughs> I completely missed the fact that this, that Miss Beverly Jenkins wrote yeah. this contemporary small town series. Yes. It, it just had completely, I don't know, it was this <laughs> thing that had never hit my radar. And I actually... um. It was, again, it was actually one of the Alyssa Cole, um, you know, events that she did. um, And she was talking about the Blessing series. And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) What is this? And she just, oh, my God, when I heard her, the setup of this, like, um, really wealthy divorcee, you know, she she walked in on her husband um, with another woman, and she decided to take him to the cleaners. And then she ends up with all this money. She buys a town, and she decides she's going to build this community of people who um, foster children, and it's like, this sounds like my kind of thing. And um, I just raced through the first book. So um, it's fantastic, and I can't wait to read the second one. I um, am reading a lot in print at the moment, so I'm just waiting um, until my orders come in. Um, So I will just be, you know, inhaling next books because i'm i'm so in love with the characters and i want to know what happens next so yes um, there's
1: so many questions that we need answers to (laughs)
2: yes
0: i was gonna say that's one of ego's favorite series from it is okay Okay, so now i know who i can talk to once i like yes
1: come talk to me when you read book two we'll we can make it like a buddy
2: read and (laughs) (laughs) i am so looking forward to it yeah like um I just can't like it's funny isn't it like these random things just don't hit your radar and I thought I was like up with you know up with what people are publishing and like really like and I'm like this entire series this entire series that I did not know (laughs) somehow but then the good news is that that means I can now catch up to a whole lot of books I don't have Mm -hmm. to wait so yeah I'm excited.
0: Well, you have a lot of fun stuff ahead for you with the Blessing Series. Yes. And those
1: are my questions. Was
3: that? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say,
0: you you get to take us out today.
3: Okay. Oh, wait, no, I have one more question. Oh, okay. Sorry, I wanted to ask you a question about, so you write across a whole bunch of genres, which Mm -hmm. I love because I have literally read everything you've written now, (laughs) because I love them all. Don't you worry. Um, So now, and then you just started doing thrillers, which I'm excited about because I also read thrillers. And um, with you and like Alyssa Cole, I will basically follow everywhere. So have you ever thought about doing historical? Because I am super interested in a possibility of like a historical PNR, like something like, Kristen callahan did with firelight um like as a prequel to guilt hunters which i think would just be amazing have you ever thought about doing something like that okay
2: so one time i wrote an entire novella and it was a prequel to the side series okay um set in the time of the territorial wars Ooh, sounds
3: good right Ooh, yes i yeah. i am yes Yeah, I wrote
2: it. I wrote the whole thing. Then I told my editor, "I'm never sending you this because it's terrible." (laughs) And she said, "Can I just see it?" I said, "No." (laughs) I said, "I'll write you on something else." But um, there's uh, it's not quite right. I so I have thought about it. Um, if I ever did something historical, it would be like in one of my um, paranormal uh, worlds because actual history I don't think I could do because um I keep would want to just make things up so
3: (laughs) which um, I totally get I just I love historical um paranormal it's just really interesting and like when Kristen Callahan did it it was just such an interesting world and I think in um your paranormals it would just be a fun world to be to explore
2: yeah I think um um, I, I loved Kirsten's um, series as well. She, you know, she's brilliant. And um, I think it's, um, what would you call it, steampunk as well? Yeah,
3: yeah, that, that series was a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have thought about it. But um, uh, the closest I've come is writing that novella, which I still go back to every so often mm-hmm. and stare at because I know <laughs> there's something wrong with it and I haven't been able to figure out what. So, um, once I do, you might get a glimpse. But in terms of the um, Guildhunter series, probably the closest I've come is um, uh, Galen um, mm-hmm. and Cassidy's oh, yeah. book, oh, which was set 400 one. years ago. But mm-hmm. again, it was because they're immortals, you know, it doesn't have that feel of an um, a historical book, if you know what I mean, because right. they, they live such long lives. Um, I think, actually, Archangel's Son, even though it's said it's in the present day, because they're such old characters, there's a lot more about the past mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how they became who they are and the relationships and things over time. So there's a little bit of a hint of that. Um but I generally, um, I read historicals, but I generally am not drawn as much towards writing that.
3: Okay. Well, just FYI, you know, the interest is there. So <laughs> if you ever
0: want to expand even more. <laughs> we're here for your contemporaries. We're here for your thrillers. Yep. We're here
1: for guild Hunters in
0: Space. You know, whatever yeah. it is. Whatever you want to give us, we're here. <laughs> Literally anything,
1: we're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Well, oh my gosh. This has been so amazing. And paranormal romance is literally my favorite um, subgenre. I always say that we can't ever do, like a Melinda and I cannot ever do an episode of of Rom Book Pod without me mentioning some sort of paranormal um, (laughs) series. But Nalini, you have been so fabulous. We're so happy that you came to join us. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, this is really fun. It's been really fun to talk to um, people who know the books so well. We
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> had no doubt. <laughs> our joy and you just have to know our joy in life is to is to make sure that like I told other people about about your books, and now they're like they're big fans. And um, Melinda and I and Anna and I are on a Discord server that mm-hmm. has like a whole side changeling Discord room where new readers <laughs> come in. And they're like, okay, so start with Slave to Sensation, and then all they do is tell us how they feel about the books as they're reading it, <laughs> and we're like the cheerleaders, like, oh my god, yes, it's so amazing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> all that I love that. It. That's Brianna's uh, Broken Circle Discord, and it's it's one of the joys. Whenever like there's a rough day, you go in there like, oh, someone else. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, you've never read this. Oh my gosh, you have so much to look forward to. And there's like a guild hunter channel, so you are well represented in <laughs> <laughs> on that server. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your book wrecks and just sharing sharing your thoughts with us. And it's just been really incredible. And I I am an unapologetic fangirl. So
2: <laughs> thank you guys. This has been really fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: Uh, we we've enjoyed it as well and thank you all so much for listening um and we will have copious show notes for you to look at and there are tons of things for you to read and you just ask any of us about about these series that nalini has been talking about so um thank you so much for tuning in to rom book pod inclusively yours take care
0: bye bye
3: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Ron Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Ron Book Pod. That's R-O-N-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us,
0: and until next time, happy reading.